Hey guys, I'm Melissa from Houston, Texas, and I'm a Hope Writer. Welcome to the Hope Writer Podcast. And here's novelist Catherine Ray. I always thought that when I got a book published, I would have made it. And there was this great line, if I just got to the other side. Uh-huh. Well, she did get to the other side of that line and was published, but it wasn't like what she expected. Just like most things are different than we imagine at first. So what was it like to cross over to being published? What does the writing life look like when you become a working writer? What's it like to write? When it's your job, you know, what does a day or a week look like? How many hours? What about marketing? How do you get an agent? Or how do you know when it's time for an agent? How important are writing conferences? How important is reading? What really changes when you get published? Well, we're going to listen to two wonderful published writers talk informally about the working writer life, about the craft of writing, and what it's like to write as a job. It's like two friends sharing at the coffee shop, and we're at the table next to them, overhearing them. Actually, no, it's better than that. We actually get to sit right there at the same table with them while they're talking. So if you've ever wondered what the working writing life looks like, or if you're a working writer now and you want to see how you're not alone, then this episode of the Hope Writer Podcast is for you. Welcome to the Hope Writers Podcast, brought to you by Hope Writers, an online membership community for writers dedicated to helping you write your meaningful words without sacrificing your meaningful life. I'm Emily P. Freeman. I'm one of the co-founders of Hope Writers. Yes, you can write and publish and market your work without becoming a self-promoting cartoon version of yourself. We help you maintain balance, share your work with confidence, develop your craft, and get help with the ins and outs of book publishing. Inside our private Hope Writer Facebook group, members make great writerly friends who understand all those doubts and questions that you have. It's the next best thing to having your own writing mentor. And every Tuesday, members get a live informal conversation with an expert writer, editor, marketer, or agent, helping you make progress in your writing life. We call those interviews Tuesday Teaching. And while the entire interview is only for our members, each week we share a few minutes that were super helpful here on the Hope Writers Podcast. And that's coming up. Find out more at HopeWriters.com. I'm Tabitha Ullman, and I'm a hope writer. Did you know the writing path has six stages? <laughs> it is so easy to get frustrated when we jump ahead on the path and do things out of order. So, want to find out your writing path stage? Hope Writers has created a short, fun quiz that you could take right now. You'll even get a tip or two for taking your next step. To get the quiz, just go to hopewriters.com quiz. Hi, I'm Gary Moreland, one of the co-founders of Hope Writers. Let's listen in to two published writers, Hope Writer co-founder Emily P. Freeman and novelist Catherine Ray, and they're going to talk about a favorite subject of writers, the craft of writing and the life of a working writer. Catherine's an award-winning fiction writer with seven books. Yeah, when she crossed over to the working writer life, she just kept going. Her books include Dear Mr. Knightley, Lizzie and Jane, and the Printed Letter Bookshop, and others. 
And if you're interested in fiction writing, this episode touches on writing fiction, but in the next episode of the Hope Writer podcast, Catherine goes deeper on how you can begin exploring and starting out writing fiction. That's the next episode. But right now, this episode, what's it like to write as a job? And of course, your story and my story have a beginning of how we became interested in writing long before we were working writers. So let's listen to the beginning of novelist Catherine Ray's story. Writing was always a thing I was going to do, but it was going to be nonfiction. And I was probably, I went to graduate school for theology to become a professor. I always thought I would teach and write nonfiction. In fact, I never expected fiction. In December 2008, I was seriously injured um, to the point where I really was at home recovering for a year. And in that time, everything that filled my time, driving carpool, making dinner, volunteering, working, all those things were sort of taken away for a moment. And I started to write. And so Dear Mr. Knightley came from that year of recovery. And so really, once Dear Mr. Knightley sold with other books, all of a sudden I had a new job. I was writing and I was writing fiction. So it was a surprise, really. It was not something I anticipated. But yes, I always thought I'd write. Okay. So writing was always a piece Always writing was always a piece, yes. But it just didn't look the way you thought. I'm actually and how much I mean, isn't that life? Yes. Things often don't look like we expect never. they will. They never do. Like you can make the plans and then the plans exactly. make you sometimes the other way around. Well, I'm curious, what year was that with when you when you kind of life turned upside down and you ended up writing this novel? Two thousand nine. I started that was in in March of two thousand nine. I finished the, really the writing December of twenty ten. But then we moved to Seattle, moved the whole family from Texas to Seattle. And I put it on hold for a year while I got everybody settled and then dusted it off and started querying agents in 2000, early 2012. How did you know where to start with querying agents? Okay, you just, you just start. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You get out that publisher's marketplace and you start looking up agents and you send out query letters and you get back rejection letters and it's all very disheartening. And that is the process. <laughs> I sent out 38 and I, no, 41 and I received 38 rejection letters. Um, the other three didn't bother replying, but okay, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and I, and I recommend you do that. That was not my path. So in 2009, as I, or 2010, as I was writing Dear Mr. Knightley, but I had not finished it. I was still in the early stages. I went to a writer's conference, which is a wonderful place to go. And to sort of caveat the follow the rules, if you can go to a writer's conference, do. The reason is, it is it's, a, it's a direct avenue in. You get appointments with agents. You get appointments with publishers. And often you can't sit down with a publisher unless you have an agent. But here's this like direct little moment you can talk to them. And it's wonderful. But point is, I spoke to a publisher who said, hmm, I love this idea. When you finish it, send it to me. So after 41 query letters with nothing, I sent her the manuscript. She loved it. She wanted to buy it. Um, it was a disheartening offer, quite honestly. It was zero advance. It was ebook only. It was going to be bundled with two other ebooks with no marketing. I mean, it really spelled doom for any manuscript. Right. But on that day, and here's where my story is crazy. On that day that the, that, um, 
offer arrived, so did a newsletter from the conference I'd attended. And my picture was in the center, a galley shot randomly taken of me smiling at an editor, somebody, I have no idea who. And the article was why you need an agent. So I thought, okay, I think I need an agent. So I wrote, I wrote the head of the writer's conference and said, help me out. I need an agent. And they wrote back and they said, don't worry, go back to one of the agents. They'll sign you now. Well, no one was going to sign me with absolutely as an offer that, that promised nothing for the book. So I went to my bookshelves and I pulled off three books that I thought mine would sit next to very well. And one agent, and I pulled off 10, one agent's name came up within three. That was it. And I called him, which you're never supposed to do. So I called and I left a message and he called me back, which was extraordinary. And after half an hour of talking to him, he ended the conversation with, I can't take you on but I'm willing to read the contract and the manuscript and give you my best advice, which was incredibly generous. So the next week he called back and he said, forget that. I want to work with you. So I broke every rule and it worked out, but I didn't start out that way. (laughs) So paths change and be responsive, but um, really the query letter is the formal right way to begin, I guess. Well, and I love that story because you actually did do it the way they say, and it didn't necessarily lead to what you hoped, but it, but it kind of did because if you hadn't done all that work, I wonder if you would have had the gumption to actually make that phone call. Right. Right. If I would have been at my wit's end. Right. I mean, really, I was at my end. There was one phone call I was making at that point. And you're right. I never would have. I never would have made the phone call if I'd even slowed down to read the website. The website said, do not call us. You have to already have been traditionally published and you have to know one of our authors and have a recommendation. So you're right. I never would have made the call. Yeah. Yeah. But look at that. And so, and so you, you ended up working with that agent. I did. I did. Um, We worked together for about a year. Um, Okay. And unfortunately he died of brain cancer, but that is very sad. um, Truly was one of the best men I've ever met. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a story. I love that. So think back to thinking back to that time, or even maybe even before that. No, let's say that time and kind of when that first book released. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something you believed about writing or publishing that you don't believe anymore or that's really morphed or changed? Something you thought was true about this world that you've realized like actually it's real different. This side of the publishing line feels the same as the other side of the publishing line. Oh, tell us that- more. That is something, and, and that's a, that was a surprise question in the sense that, whoa, that was a very big question. But I always thought that when I got a book published, I would have made it. And there was this great line, if I just got to the other side, it's the same. You still have that unknowing if this next set of words will ever make it out there, if they're any good. You're still um, sitting in that chair as many hours a day as you can cram in to get those words out. You're still, you know fighting all those insecurities and working on those pages, all of that really does feel the same. So I I know it's a wonderful, anyone who's not published and is seeking that, it does feel the same on the other side. So there you go. (laughs) That is so well said. And I 
second that. I think it's very true. And it, I, in some ways, I wish it wasn't true because you want to have right. that feeling of like that green grass, you can lay out rest. Right, right. But it is. You're still just, fighting for that next word, that next yep. good word. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, well, speaking of kind of fighting for that next word and how it does kind of feel the same, I'm curious if you, um, in your own process, first of all, do you, I mean, you're currently writing a book now and we'll ask, I want to hear more about that um, kind of towards the end, but um, do you have a certain number of hours a day that you spend in your writing chair working? If, if it's an ideal week, it's 25. Um, okay. and, I'll, and I'll break that down for you a little bit, but obviously not all weeks are ideal. Um, when I get near a deadline, it's 40, 50, it can be a 60 hour week. Um, and, and there's a note on the door and nobody bugs me. And they all fend for themselves out there. Um, but the reason it's an ideal week at 25 is that allows me, and I, and I work Saturdays too, but that allows me about four to five hours a day, which is reasonable, Sundays off. But part of that, it might only be 20 hours on the story, five hours on research or, or even on marketing. That is one difference between the, the line I was telling you about where the pasture really isn't greener on the other side. Being an author is not the same as being a writer. And I, it has taken me a long time to learn that. And I'm still learning that. But marketing is a huge part of my job. And while I would love if I was just a writer, because that's really my heart song, there is, is social media. There are articles I have to write, blog posts I have to write. And I actually really do enjoy book talks. So I'm going to say, and book talks and interviews. And I actually really enjoy that because I feel that's kind of human connection. It's the behind the scenes things that I find a little more challenging, but that's part of those 25 hours too. And it might stretch the week to, you know, 27, 30, but also for me, not included in that 25 hours is reading. I need to keep reading. I am so wired to what I read. Mm -hmm. I'm very selective about what I read, but um, my well is completely empty if I'm not continually refilling it with good books. And for me, movies and television don't do that. I know friends who watching movies give them ideas and it tends not to be the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. I, I read it. And so that's part of that too. So if I stretch it to a 40 hour week, something's getting dropped because I don't include say the reading in that 40 hours. Sure. But there you go. That is such a great answer. And I could hear you talk about the difference between being a writer and being an author all day long, because that is something nobody that you about. <laughs> no, nobody tells you that. And every, it took me three books. I've, I have published five books. It took me three before I finally realized, oh, I have a job. It's like, a job. That's a exactly job. right. Right. I didn't, yeah. I don't know. And no one told me that. It was just like, I remember walking home from my kid's school. I walked in school. I was walking home. I was thinking about lots of things like emptying the dishwasher running something to the mail, the the post office, finishing an email to my editor, like all these things jumbled together. And I was starting to get panicky. And I thought, oh, wait, I have a job and I've put it all. I think I'm a stay at home mom because I work from home. Me too. I think I'm a stay at home mom and a writer. <laughs> and when I'm doing those other things, I get panicky that I'm not doing my job, but those things are my job. Right. So it, to me, I am with you. It has been a real mind shift for me in the past two books. I'm now getting a handle on that. Yes, it's so good. And it, and I'm I'm so glad to hear you say it in those words because it's a little different in those words than we normally say, but it's the same concept because we talk a lot about um the difference between the art of writing and the business of publishing and that they are not they are 
they can both be what we do, but they are not the same thing. And we can get in a lot of trouble when we try to mix them together. Cause then we are like looking, you know, our editor is, is becoming this evil person to our beautiful creative words when really like this is a business of, you know, that, and you want that part, but then over here, this is a creative part and, and they sometimes have to be really separate, which is hard. Which is hard, exactly. That can be really hard. Um, well, speaking, I'm glad you brought up reading because two questions I have for you. First okay. question, um, do you believe in writer's block? Um, yes and no. So I do believe that at some point I, I won't know where the story is going. But no, I don't believe that it's a block that I can't get through. Yes. Now, the reason is because because writing is people always ask you do you wait for the muse i'm like if you wait for the muse the muse will never come right if you believe writer's block is a thing then you have just allowed it into your process so i would say no if if i don't know where to go i go back to the beginning and i edit and i create my foundation the story to make it firmer and i reacquaint myself with where i have gone which then points more clearly where i want to go now and also i mean don't kid yourself. Sometimes you need to step away. If you really don't know where to go, go running, go for a walk and let things sort of settle and let creative juices flow. But no, I don't believe in writer's block because then I think that's giving something out there a little too much power yes. over a process that we really, I mean, we, we can get through mm-hmm. that next step. And guess what? You can also take a completely wrong step, go completely terrible direction in your story. And I promise you that will not have been time wasted. You will have figured something out, some depth that when you get on the right track, that will undergird that. So I feel like there's so many life lessons in what you just said. <laughs> like that can make <laughs> life too. I read somewhere the other day that like a, a mistake, a, a bad decision or a, a poor decision is better than no decision. Like just let's move. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not all, it depends on the decision, but movement and momentum is helpful in life and in writing. So what about, um, what about reader's block? You said you were selective about what you read. And I'm curious, what does that look like at different stages of the writing process for you? That's true. That's, that's a very good question. Um, Reader's block. So I do, as I said, I, I am very careful about what I read. I tend not to read too close to the genre I'm writing but around it, yes. Um, I tend, I always, I always have a nonfiction going. I always have something theological re- going. So it's about four books. I usually have a New York Times bestseller. And the reason there is no matter what it is, I want to know what is capturing, what is capturing America? I don't mean the world. What is capturing the world in reading right now? What are the voices, the narratives, the structure, all of that that's going on? So I usually have that. Um, and then there might be a book, just a little something I find that piques my curiosity that was written in a different way or has a really unique voice that somebody told me about or is a classic that I haven't revisited in a while. So I do go to many different places for my books. That said, if I'm not enjoying it, or I'm not pulling something from it, or I don't think the writing's brilliant, I do put it down. And that is permission I gave myself a couple years ago. I used to have this odd belief that if I started a book, I had to finish it. and there is too little time and too many great works of art out there. And um, so if it's not giving me something, some voice, some narrative, something wonderful, I tend to put it down and move on. Amen, sister. That's and nobody does that to my books, right? Nobody does that to your books. No way. No way. I love it. Yeah, our writing and books are always special, right? <laughs> not like everybody else's. Well, that was fascinating. When you become a working writer... 
It feels the same as before you were a working writer. There's no trophy. There's no big easy chair. You still just do the work. You still have the same insecurities. We still have to fight for the next word. It's a job. We commit to whatever writing hours we can. And, of course, writing books involves more than writing. Marketing and publishing are part of the job. You can find Catherine Ray at CatherineRay.com. And Ray is spelled R-E-A-Y. Her books include Dear Mr. Knightley, Lizzie and Jane, and The Printed Letter Bookshop. And if you're interested in writing fiction, don't miss the next episode. Catherine is going to be back. She'll help us see how you can begin exploring and starting out writing fiction yourself and what fiction writing looks like for her. So if this episode was helpful for you, just imagine how helpful the entire hour-long interview would be. Well, every week inside Hope Writers Membership, there's a new one-hour Tuesday teacher episode, and they all end up archived inside the Hope Writer member library. By the way, Hope Writers, not just for someone who wants to write a book. Hope Writers is here to help you make progress getting your words out to a reader. It could be a blog or articles, or maybe you write on Instagram and Facebook, or it could be a book. If you want to be serious about your words and your message and your reader, we're here for you. And did you know the working writer's journey has six stages? To see where you are in the journey, take the quick, simple quiz at hopewriters.com slash quiz. And for writing tips and encouragement every day, we'd love to connect with you on our public Facebook page at Hope Writers Community and on Instagram at Hope Writers. And here are some final words of hope from author Kurt Vonnegut. A writer has to continually be jumping off cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. Thanks for listening.